a lot of cultures have a lot in common with one another. And as our seasons are finally changing here, we're thinking about autumn and Halloween, trunk or treat, Thanksgiving, the season of harvest. Well, the same, the same is the case in Israel. And, and agriculture was a way of life in the Old Testament and the New Testament. One can't get too far into, into Scripture to, to see the relationship that the land and the care for the land has in Scripture. Well, Israel, they had festivals as well. And this morning, our story starts during one such festival. We're going to be in Acts 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And it's one of the most exciting passages found in Scripture. Everybody loves a holiday, don't we? We love a holiday, and it's holiday time in Jerusalem. And one writer tells us that of all the feasts on the Jewish calendar, there is one which attracts the largest number of travelers from all over the region. The Feast of Weeks, or the Feast of Nature. It's a one-day festival celebrated at the end of the, of the barley harvest, and this festival is associated with a part of Israel's history. The giving of the Torah, or God's law, there at Mount Sinai. Way back in Exodus, when God gives His law to God's children there at Mount Sinai. And this happens, this one-day festival happens 50 days after Passover. And 50 days after Passover, we have the Hebrew celebration, the Feast of Weeks, which is called Pentecost. Penta meaning five. 50 days. There's a lot of people there in Jerusalem. There's a lot of culture which has come into town. And I want you to keep that bit of information close. It's going to come in handy. When the story opens, the day of Pentecost has come, and the church is all together in one place. We think it's probably the 120 who were there in Acts chapter 1. Those 12 apostles, they're all there. They've come together, and they've come together for prayer. In Acts 1, when they first got together, we saw no mention of a, of a meal or fellowship activity. They came, they came to pray. And I do wonder what it would look like if the church simply gathered to pray today. It's something to think about. And suddenly, a noise like a violent rushing wind comes from heaven, and it fills the entire house where they're sitting. When one thinks of a, of a violent rushing wind, what comes to mind is a, is a tornado. It, it's hard to imagine the sound of a train in your living room, isn't it? Imagine the sound. Imagine the fury. These 120 followers of Jesus, these 12 apostles, ones who have, have seen Jesus, they've gathered to pray, and this sound fills the entire house. Earlier, they were in an upstairs room in last chapter, but they're in an entire house now, and suddenly, unexpectedly, everything changes. Tongues which look like fire, they appear to all 120. And they distribute themselves, and a tongue of fire rests on each one of them. First the sound is heard, 
And then this image is seen, fire, visible flames, bigger than what comes from a, a match which has been struck or a cigarette lighter. These visible flames appear, and they spark, and then they spread, and they rest on each one in the whole house. It, it must have looked like a, a huge blaze. Can you imagine? And they're all filled with the Holy Spirit, Luke tells us. Luke, the writer of Acts. Luke says, they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and they begin to speak with different tongues. As the Spirit is, is giving them the ability to speak out. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, what did Jesus say about fire? Do you remember? In Acts 1, Jesus commanded these apostles to not leave Jerusalem, but to wait for what the Father had promised which he, he said, you heard, you heard of from me. For John the Baptist, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Words said by John the Baptist, repeated by Jesus, regarding a, a baptism of fire, and this promise is now, this promise is now fulfilled. The Spirit is here. Well, well what's going on? way, way back in the Old Testament. The Old Testament prophet Joel, he's got a letter in the Old Testament. Joel would tell Israel that the day of the Lord was coming. It was a word of warning. And, and the Lord told Joel in Joel chapter 2, he said, I will pour out my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters will prophesy. They will tell of me. And that's exactly what this group is doing. And, and they've evidently worked out into the street now, into this huge festival. They've taken it out into the street. And we see there in verse 5 that there are Jews residing in Jerusalem, devout men, look what it says, from every nation under heaven. And, and when the sound occurs, the crowd comes together and they are <laughs> bewildered. Bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in his own language. So this crowd, they, they come together, they are bewildered, they are, they are confounded, they are confused. But because each one of them is hearing members of the 120 strong speak in the languages of those devout persons from every nation under heaven, all this sound is speech because it's, it's verified by all who are listening. And all who are listening, they're amazed and they're astonished, saying, why are, are not all these who are speaking Galilean? They're, they're from, aren't they from here? Aren't they locals? And, and how is it that we hear them, each hear them in our own language to which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and, and the residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and, and the parts of Libya around Cyrene and visitors from Rome and both Jews and proselytes. Those are ones who are non-Jewish but are, who are being converted to the Jewish faith. Proselytes. 
There's Cretans and Arabs, and, and we hear them speaking in our own tongues of the mighty deeds of God. These, these are people from literally everywhere in the known world at that time. Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, they're, they're Iranians. Residents of Mesopotamia, well, that's Iraq and Kuwait and, and, and Turkey and Syria. Judea, that's Palestine. Cappadocia, Pontus, that's Turkey. Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, that's Turkey. You've got Egypt. Parts of Libya around Cyrene, well, that's Libyan. Visitors from Rome, these Jews and these non-Jewish converts to their faith. These Cretans, they're, they're, they speak Greek. And Arabs, as far as West Africa... It's a roll call of, of, of the nations. Iranians, Iraqis, Turks, Syrians, Palestinians, Egyptians, Libyans, Greeks, Romans who speak Latin, Africans, all these native languages. Every one of these native languages is being articulated by someone from the house on fire. The mighty deeds of God is what is being spoken. The mighty deeds of God are being shared in each one of these languages from everywhere. And these devout Jews from every nation under heaven, they're hearing all that is occurring, and they know both the language and the subject being spoken. They are not only eyewitnesses, they're, they're ear witnesses as well. And they all continue in amazement and great perplexity. That's, wow. <laughs> Saying to one another, what does this mean? But others are jeering and saying, well, they're full of sweet wine. Well, if it's wine, it's some pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> what does Scripture say? A question that we ask a lot in these days, what does Scripture say? What, what did it mean to the early church? What, what does it mean for the church today? A, a few observations. There will always be scoffers. The Debbie Downer. Some of you may remember Winnie the Pooh. Do you remember Eeyore? Oh, Eeyore. You know, sometimes those who are the most devout, devout referring to, to those who have been around the religious establishment the longest, sometimes we have a harder time accepting that the Lord might just do something a little bit different than what He has done before. That happens in these days as well. We just saw some of these real devout home folk mentioned in verse 5 who show amazement and great perplexity at this move of the Holy Spirit. And they're saying to one another, what does this mean? But then we have others who are jeering and saying that the 120 are drunk. And really what they're saying, we boil it down to this. God wouldn't do this 
It goes against the tradition of everything we've ever known. In essence, if, if this is how the future looks, and this is just real honest here, I think, they could be saying, if this is how the future looks, I'm afraid that my past experience, what I've known, will be invalidated. And that's not what's being said. That's not the case. That's never been the case. This is a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, which will impact the people of God until the return of the Son of God. And we should expect amazement when we pray. We should expect the Lord to want to still be in the business of doing amazing things for the local church when we pray. But you know what? Most of the time, we don't. We, we kind of settle. We settle for what we've always known, don't we? Another observation, if the Holy Spirit is truly the one behind all this activity, there's one sure way to verify by asking one question. Who is getting the glory? Who's getting the glory? What did Jesus say about the Holy Spirit during the Last Supper? Well, he actually he said a lot of things, but... But this is one of the things he said. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me. Amen. For he will take from mine and will disclose it to you. The, the Spirit will glorify the Son. When the Holy Spirit is first mentioned, when the Holy Spirit is first mentioned, Jesus says that the Spirit will come to convict the world of sin. That's his first purpose, is to convict the world of sin. And then we see that the Spirit will glorify the Son. If the Holy Spirit is truly the one behind all this activity, the Son of God is the one who will be getting all the attention and all the glory. So what is being spoken? The mighty deeds of God. The mighty deeds of God are being shared in each one of these languages from everywhere. What is the mightiest deed of the Lord? His making a way for us to have a restored relationship with Him through Jesus. That's, that's the great and final revelation of the Lord, is Jesus His Son. Amen. Another observation, the mighty deeds of God are for all to hear. Amen. Why did we read? There are people literally from everywhere known at the time. <laughs> Iranians, Iraqis, Turks, Syrians, Palestinians, Egyptians, Libyans, Greeks, Romans who speak Latin, Africans. All these native languages, every one of these native languages is being spoken. 
the mighty deeds of God are being shared with every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And one writer says this, the significance of this miracle seems to be that it points to a time when all shall be one in Christ. And all shall speak and understand the same speech, and not only all men, but men and angels. All gathered together as as one in Christ. The Apostle Paul would tell us later in in his letter to the Philippians, in chapter 2, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Of those who are in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every tongue. In heaven, on earth, under the earth, every tongue. Men, men and angels. And and you know, when we look far enough ahead, when we look to the very last book in the Bible, to the book of Revelation, we hear the Apostle John tell us this. John says in Revelation 7, I looked and and behold a great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all the tribes, peoples, and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. That's the Son. Amen. The Son who has made a way for us to know the Father. Can you imagine the sound and the fury on this Hebrew celebration day, Pentecost, 50 days after Passover? A time of celebration, remembering the words of the Lord being given to God's children at Mount Sinai. How appropriate that Pentecost is now a spiritual outpouring for God's children to proclaim the word of the Lord to all the nations. If we reverse engineer this event, we've taken this event, we've gone all the way to the end of the book, but let's let's back it up. All the way to the beginning, what do we find? This idea of the mighty deeds of God for every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Question. What was the very first thing that the Lord said to Abraham? In Genesis chapter 12, first book of the Bible, the Lord says to Abram, Go from your country and from your relatives, and from your father's house, to the land which I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. And make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And then the Lord says this to Abram. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Through the seed 
of Abraham. On through the seed of a shepherd boy turned king, King David, all the families of the earth have been blessed. Haven't we? Amen. We, we've been blessed by Jesus, Son of God, Son of Abraham, Son of David, Lion of Judah. We've been blessed by a Savior who would go to the cross for us. Amen. For all, for all who would trust in the salvation from that cross, which only Jesus can offer, only Jesus can offer that salvation. Jesus has given us His Holy Spirit. And, and this Holy Spirit, the very same who made His presence known on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit is still working in, in all of those who have turned from sin and, and turned to Jesus. The Holy Spirit pointing out our sin and pointing us always, always back to the redemption and the promise of new life, which the Son alone provides. Only the Son of God. Because the Spirit who came to convict sin glorifies the Son. And what was evidenced as the sound and the fury on that morning? The Holy Spirit. This same Holy Spirit can point us past the sound and the fury in our own lives back to the Savior and His cross.